This is a special Uncommon Sense podcast for 3RRR FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with Ed Hill. Ed is an ecologist and a campaigner for the Goongarra Environment Centre. He discussed native forest logging in Victoria, particularly old growth forests, and the position of all parties in the upcoming state election. You are tuned in to Uncommon Sense on 3RRR FM 102.7 FM on your dial. You can also stream it online or on the app. There's so many ways to listen in. And uh, I have with me in the studio Ed Hill, who is a campaigner for the Goongarra Environment Centre, which is if you're unaware, in East Gippsland. And he's also involved with Friends of the Earth, which is um, in Collingwood. So he's in here today, which is great, um, to talk about a really important state election issue, which is native forest logging. And, um, yeah, you may have heard this topic quite a few times on this show because it's really important. And uh, I've spoken you know, with people like David Lindenmeyer, who has talked to us about the really, really important science behind why these native forests are vital, particularly old growth trees and the habitat um, that they provide, but also the, the inherent value of these trees themselves without even talking about um, the rest of the biodiversity of these regions. So I'm really excited now to talk to Ed again and welcome him now. Hi there. Hi, Amy. It's great to have you in. And um, I know we spoke uh, a couple of months ago and we were talking about um, a really important issue, which was the Greater Glider yep. and uh, the experiment, in inverted commas, that was being conducted by Vic Forests, mm-hmm. which is our state-owned logging company. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron to me because to have a logging company that's state-owned that logs state-owned forests just doesn't really compute mentally um but i mean what for those who are unaware of the i guess the current history behind um vic forests and and the controversy around their conduct in terms of logging in this state um you know what have what kind of activities have they been undertaking and i guess what has been what have been some of the controversies um around i guess times where it appears that they may have breached um, regulations and legislation. Sure. So um, logging is astonishingly still occurring in native forests in in Victoria. Um, Old growth forests are logged in East Gippsland. These are forests that uh, some of which have uh, never been logged or completely untouched before. Um, Forests on the north east, to the north and east of Melbourne um, are also still being logged in the central highlands. Mm, This is the area that's proposed for protection in the Great Forest National Park. Um, And the logging is done by Vic Forests, uh, as you said, the state-owned company, um, who's sort of uh, constantly embroiled in, in controversy. Um, their operations are really having an extremely uh, damaging impact on the environment. Uh, Victoria's forests are home to a number of threatened species, um, such as the greater glider um, and the, our faunal emblem, the leadbeater's possum. And as you've heard from from the experts that you've had on the show um, previously, a lot of these species are, are being driven closer towards extinction because of the logging that's, uh, that Vic Forests is, uh, is carrying out. They're a state-owned agency, which means the, they function like a company, uh, but they are actually 
entirely run off government money. So yeah. the sole shareholder is actually our treasurer, um, Tim Pallas. Um, as the government, as a government business enterprise, they don't. Uh, they only have one shareholder who's essentially, uh, or who is the treasurer. The treasurer. Yeah. Um, so they function entirely off public money, um, logging a, a public resource. Most of the trees that they're logging in Victoria actually turn into paper, um, which is pretty astonishing. There's a there's a paper mill in Gippsland in Maryvale where reflex paper is made, uh, and a lot of uh, most of the forest. About it's about eighty eight percent of all the wood that's cut in Victoria mm. uh, ends up. Uh, ends up as pulp um so it's 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 a massive environmental problem it's amazing that it's still occurring um and unfortunately successive governments both labor and liberal just uh have failed to to act to to solve uh this this massive environmental problem and and protect our forests Mm. and the department of environment land water and planning are meant to oversee uh, the regulations and Vic Forests and the way that it conducts itself. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that um, really the on-the-ground monitoring has been left to organisations such as yours um, where, and you've and you've done this recently, is that you, um, as a group of citizens, citizen scientists, ecologists, um, you know, go around these forests to survey and look for animals such as the greater glider, the lead beaters, possum a range of other um, endangered species and I guess see how many are actually residing in areas that are um, meant to be logged planned to be logged and or have been logged um, and you know also survey how many may have died as as a result of logging Um, what are some of the more recent and um, I guess revealing circumstances or examples where um Vic Forests has been, I guess, putting the lives of these animals at risk. Yeah, sure. So um, we, we we do a lot of uh, this sort of research where we, where we conduct um, surveys for threatened species in areas that are scheduled for logging or are being logged um, simply because, yeah, the department fail to, in their role as the regulator, so the burden falls upon uh, the community to to, in, to to get out there and and see that uh, the laws are being followed, the rules are being followed, and Vic Forests have shown a systemic failure um, when it comes to sticking to these these rules. Um, most recently, um, there was a a, a very controversial uh, operation in East Gippsland um, where rainforest was illegally logged, um, and the environment minister. Um, uh, just failed to have control over her department mm. to, to actually get them to prosecute for a number of very serious uh, rainforest breaches where rainforest had been illegally logged. Uh, it was exposed in the media, this failure, and um, prosecution eventually was... Charges were eventually laid against Vic Forests uh, and th- there was a criminal charge laid against them for logging the protected rainforest. It went to court in the Melbourne Magistrates uh, Court, but in... Uh, quite a quite amazing set of circumstances. The the department who really really failed to hold Vic Forest accountable and actually appropriately regulate their practices, they failed to fill in the charge sheet uh, uh, in the right way. Basically, they they stuffed up the charge sheet mm. and um, didn't put the correct information on it. And as a result, the court threw the case out, and Vic Forest were never held 
accountable. Mm. This angered the government because it was obviously a massive embarrassment. And then they commissioned a independent review of the department's uh, regulatory practices um, to, uh, where they established a panel to, to get, try and get to the bottom of it. Um, but the, re- the report from the independent review has been sitting on the minister's desk for, for weeks now and we haven't heard a, a peep out of them. Um, so we have no idea um, uh, whether any action at all from this review will, will take place. And I guess the, the, the big problem that we have here is that we have a government logging agency being uh, regulated by a government department and the government's doing the logging and then the government's turning a blind eye to when the loggers, um, you know, breach the law and they're not being prosecuted and, and held accountable. And we see yeah. that um, that blind eye approach uh, also coming out with um, in putting in place protections for threatened species that they're supposed to, such as the greater glider, which we spoke about um, last time I came on the show. Um, this is a threatened species that lives in... Uh, in forests, old forests that have trees that are over 100 years old with, yep. with large hollows. And it's supposed to have an action plan that this the current Labor government was supposed to put out an action plan to protect this species. It's well overdue. It's mm. been listed as vulnerable to extinction for about a year. And instead of releasing an action plan, we have uh, an absurd situation where Vic Forest, the government logging agency, is actually now conducting an experiment on this species, logging high-quality habitat, literally to see how many die. Uh, and, you know, David Lindenmeyer, who who you've had on the show before, likened it to the terrestrial equivalent of uh, so-called scientific whaling, uh, which is exactly what it is. And it, it just highlights the sort of hands-off approach that this government has where they allow this logging agency to do... Uh, basically whatever they want um, and act as a law unto themselves. And unfortunately, it's native wildlife, rainforests and old-growth forests uh, which uh, that are paying the price. Yeah, and there's a massive backlog of action plans which they're legally required to create. Um, it, what kind of impact does that have when there is no official plan? Would, would having an action plan impact upon uh, the the conduct of Vic Forests and the, the, I guess the areas they choose to log? Yeah, well, the action plan is supposed to set out, sort of, they call them prescriptions or, or, or rules that, um, uh, protection rules uh, that would restrict uh, logging uh, in, in certain ways in high-quality um, areas of habitat. A lot of the action plans are understandably quite weak and skewed towards the interests of industry rather than designed uh, in the best interests of of the species and what the science is telling us the species needs. Um, but it, it, it would, the provision of an action plan would uh, go some way to better protect this species. But unfortunately, um, the logging industry is so powerful in this state and the issue is so political um, that the management and protection of these threatened species has become extremely politicised, so much so that uh, we are seeing a massive backlog of, of uh, action plans that haven't mm-hmm. been written um, because every time one is written, it's going to have an impact on the logging industry and that's going to have um, uh, political implications because the logging industry is is very powerful in, in, in with the influence that they have over the government. So um, this is this is why we've 
got this situation where no, nothing is being done um, because the threatened species protection has become so politicised and rather than acting in the best interest of the species, action plans and protections for species are just, just not being put in place. Mm. And I know that it means that, um, you know, when these official processes are not working as they should and the oversight is not necessarily there, not only do, do groups like Gecko and Friends of the Earth submit these reports to the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. But there are many activists who, when the bureaucracy is taking a very long time, and I guess it's going to be too late by the time it conducts whatever process it needs to take, that there are activists out there who are literally blockading and preventing logging from occurring by, um, you know, setting up camp in that spot, you know, um, literally being on trees, uh, old growth trees to stop this from happening and this is a last resort kind of measure because I'm sure not everyone wants to spend their time (laughs) stopping, you know, logging from occurring. But, I mean, there's a lot of those activities happening right now like that have just been happening very recently. Yes. um, There's actually just last week uh, a a group of activists that uh, set up a blockade of uh, a beautiful forest on Mount Borbor um, which is being logged for paper. Um, it's home to threatened wildlife. Actually, a koala was found in there um, mm. a couple of weeks ago. Um, as were greater gliders. There's a lot of old, there's a lot of old trees that are over 100 years old. Um, it's it's being logged, and these these uh, incredible people, um, as a last ditch effort, um, they went out there and established a, a blockade where a person was in a um, in a tree sit, so setting up a tree yeah. in a platform and that platform is attached with ropes to logging machinery, which mm. is preventing that logging. And uh, they made a stand and took a, took, took, uh, stopped the logging for quite a few days and got a bit of media attention and put some pressure on the government. But the, you know, the, the, the might and power of the, the, for, of the, of the government is um, always going to be a lot more, uh, you know, powerful than than these these under-resourced uh, protesters um so the yeah the blockade was broken up um and about a year ago there was also a big uh blockade in the quark forest in far east gippsland um where we established a, a blockade to, to to prevent logging of an area of old growth forests that we believed to be again, uh, unlawful mm. and that blockade stopped logging for about 10 days and during that period lawyers in the city um, were successful in uh, securing a Supreme Court legal injunction to um, prevent logging in that area from, from going ahead. So that was, a, that was fantastic because the, we got to pack up the blockade and there was no need for the blockade because yeah. the court had actually stopped it. Now that injunction led to a Supreme Court case which is actually going to trial in December um, and the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning are being sued um, by environment groups for failing to meet their obligations to protect old growth forests Mm. Um, and there's currently 33 areas of old growth forest that are planned for logging in East Gippsland that are subject to the case and the government are fighting the case and they're literally fighting for their right to continue to log old growth forests and if they win it will pave the way for logging in those 33 areas currently the case is preventing logging in those 33 areas of old growth forests 
uh, but the trial will be in December and depending upon the outcome, uh, we'll see whether or not those areas are in fact logged. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. There's blockades, yeah. there's legal action, there's on the ground work to do, uh, you know, threatened species surveys and, and submit reports to the government. Um, there's sort of pressure coming at them uh, at all from all angles, but unfortunately um, it continues. It's really shocking that, I mean, you, there's so much effort and money put into s- continuing native forest logging when if you put effort into establishing plantation forests that could be an alternative source for these companies who, you know, want to make paper. Um, I mean, there are so many other ways of doing this, creating products Mm. rather than logging old growth forests. In fact, I recall um, reading about the fact that old growth trees are not even particularly good source material for creating paper um, because they have so much variation that it's actually easier and better to be logging plantation forests for Mm. that particular product. It just really makes me wonder that if you're a pragmatist and you're a person of rational thought, why would you not think of things like alternative sources and pursue that agenda? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. And there are there is a huge plantation resource in Western Victoria um, that's actually, actually booming. Portland is now the biggest... Um, export port of hardwood wood chips in the world and these mm. are all plantation grown wood chips um but over in eastern victoria uh whilst there's whilst in western victoria there's an excess of plantation um pulp but in eastern victoria where um you know still using native forests um to produce these pulp th- this pulp to make to make paper and there are so many other alternatives even non-timber sources of fiber yes. bamboo. Um, bamboo hemp um yeah there's there's a there's a lot of different options out there and the industry really now is in a massive has has experienced a massive downturn uh and this is because decades of mismanagement and overlogging has actually now left uh the industry with very little wood left that's actually loggable and um the mountain ash forests that grow in uh north and east sort of to the east of melbourne in the central highlands areas yarra ranges around warburton and marysville um there's only about five years left of logging in Mm. these forests before there's actually literally nothing left for the industry to take and and this is because uh, the 2009 fires massively reduced uh, the areas that were suitable because it took out a lot of the resource. So then the logging was intensified in the areas that uh, remained unburnt. And there's only there's really not much time left. So change is inevitable in the industry uh, and a transition into plantations and non-timber sources of fibre is not only essential um, to in order to protect what's left of these environmental assets, but it's also essential to provide a, a future for employment in, in these regional areas. Yeah. Um, and, and the government has to act now um, because it's going to be so much harder to act down, further down the track. You know, in five, five years' time, we're going to have a trashed environment and an industry that's even in worse shape than it is now, and it's going to be harder to... 
uh, transition those jobs into alternative um, industries or into plantations and non-timber sources of fibre. But it's also going to be really uh, bad because we've the environment will unfortunately be trashed. A lot of these forests will be gone forever. Yeah. Um, so decisive action is really needed from this government right now, and they've had four years um, to, to to deal with this issue. And um, yeah, so far they've they've completely failed. Yep. And I mean, the the things that people may not be aware of is that particularly as an example, the Central Highlands, um, they're really important habitats for the whole state, including Melbourne, because of um, its contribution to Melbourne's waterways, its contribution to reducing climate change and emissions. I mean, this state government talks about their environment credentials in terms of climate change and renewable energy and that is apparently a differentiating factor between themselves and the Liberals and yet there's just this kind of real gap between you know talking about climate change and then talking about logging and I mean I guess they're seen as very distinct things when in fact they're entirely the same. Mm. (laughs) Absolutely Um, it's it's astonishing, actually, how uh, much attention the Andrews Labor government pays to renewable energy. They're, they're great on renewables. They're uh, rolling out renewables all over the place. Mm. Uh, and they're not a bunch of climate sceptics like, no. like the madmen in Canberra. Um, but they are continuing to log these forests, which uh, are some of the most carbon-rich forests on the planet. So the forests just out of Melbourne in the Yarra Ranges... Um, uh, the mountain ash forests have been heavily researched. Read, they've been they're some of the most studied forests in the world, uh, and there's been a number of uh, research projects and papers published that have found that these forests store more carbon per hectare than any other forest type on earth. Mm. So they are some of our greatest uh, stores of carbon and our greatest assets to mitigate climate change. Yet we are logging and burning them to produce mostly single-use paper. Um, and, you know, any climate policy is incomplete without a policy to protect these natural uh, uh, carbon banks which are fighting climate change. And um, whilst this government is is great on renewables, you, you can't have a uh, climate policy um, without a policy to protect these forests it's um it it just doesn't make sense to be and and the logging and burning of them is creating huge amounts of emissions so when they go and they they, when they log a forest they log these mountain ash forests they clear fell all of them massive like 50 hectares um dozens and dozens of football fields uh in in one area just completely cleared and then a lot of the wood is left behind there's a lot of debris and wood that's left behind after they um, after they take what they want out, and then they set fire to it. Uh, and these post-logging burns, which are, they dr- come over the helicopter and drop like a napalm-like substance, and it, you know, it, it they causes this massive mushroom cloud of, of smoke. And that's where the emissions are, are just getting pumped out into our atmosphere. So li- they're literally burning the most cutting down and then burning the most carbon some of the most carbon rich forests on the planet uh it's it's having a a huge impact not only are we losing the carbon stores but Mm. we're actually creating heaps of emissions from doing it um so 
uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's eventually this government or the next government, depending on the result on November 24, will will realise that these, um, these essential uh, carbon stores have to be protected, um, you know, and, 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 and a climate policy has to include uh, their protection within it. Yeah, and this is not really a foreign concept to a Labor or Liberal government in the sense that these governments in the past have established and created huge amounts of new national parks and extended pre-existing ones and it's a legacy of which those governments should be proud and yet this um, particular government has not created even close to the similar amounts of um, native forest area that's protected. Mm. Um, And it's really surprising that that would be the case given how uh, progressive and forward-thinking that this government is in general, particularly, as I was saying earlier with you, around social issues. Um, You know, it's it's done a huge thing by um, advancing many social issues in this country, especially family violence is um, just one example. So um, I'm just thinking like why, um, (laughs) it's it's hard to ask why when it just, it doesn't make any sense, but what are the kind of stakeholders in this situation beyond the environmental um, supporters, I guess, those who are are seeking to um, conserve our great old growth forests what are the stakeholders that are preventing politicians from acting on this issue sure well the forestry division of the construction forestry energy mining union the cfmeu um have historically been uh extremely opposed to any form of protection of native forests um almost to the point where it's ideological rather than actually based upon any rational uh logic um and the influence that they have over the andrews labor government is is pretty clearly very powerful um and it's 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 astonishing actually how far historically this the the forestry division within the CFMEU will go to to block progress uh, on this issue. We saw s- some listeners may remember in two thousand and four um, the federal election campaign um, where Mark Latham before he was completely insane well actually I think he was always insane <laughs> um, but he he went down to Tasmania and announced that you know, logging of old growth forests in Tasmania was going to end, $800 million industry assistance package to make it happen. Um, and it was sort of political suicide because it was like a week before the election, I think, and suddenly the CFMEU started campaigning for John Howard. So they, you had this situation where a trade union was actually backing the bloke who bought in work choices simply because the opposition wanted to protect whole growth forest. So that's how far they'll go um, when it comes to campaigning against even a progressive Labor government mm. um, uh, if, if they're going to move in this space. Um, but, you know, really the writing is on the wall and the change is inevitable. A transition uh, out of native forest and into plantations and non-timber sources of fibre, as I said before, it's needed not only to protect the environment but to actually create jobs, long-term jobs, into the future because the the status quo just can't go on forever. Um, 
the Andrews government convened a task force at the beginning of their term of government in 2015, um, which was a collection of uh, groups from the unions, industry and environment groups. And the idea was to have a stakeholder-based process that would look at options to, to solve this issue and protect forests and, uh, and, and transition jobs. Um, the process failed to deliver essentially because uh, the union and industry walked away from it. However, some key agreements were made in that um, process, which were that business as usual can't continue. There mm. needs to be change and there needs to be uh, new national parks to protect these forests from logging. Unfortunately, those key, key agreements have not been acted on um, and there's been no progress or decisive uh, action from this government to actually come up with a policy based on the key agreements that were made through that that task force process, which mm. which had all those union groups and environment groups working together to agree, um, so it's yeah, it's just sitting there. And I think um, this government, as progressive as they as as they like to present themselves, um, it can't truly be considered a progressive government whilst they're logging and wood chipping uh, native forests to to make paper and driving wildlife towards extinction as a result. So um, ho- hopefully it's something that they can actually pick up and show leadership on and take decisive action. But until then, um, yeah, our environment's going to continue to pay the price. Mm. You are tuned into Uncommon Sense on 3 R FM with Amy Mullins. I'm speaking at the moment with Ed Hill from the Goongarra Environment Centre in East Gippsland and uh, we've been talking about native forest logging, the history of it in Victoria, um, the policy realities, uh, the many stakeholders involved, the industry itself, the future of the industry and how it can be sustainable uh, in the long term. And now, Ed, um, we're going to close out our chat by talking about the state election campaign which is happening right now and in fact uh, it's kind of disturbing just how close election day is when I was looking at my calendar it's uh, Saturday the 24th of November and uh, I believe we are what day is it today the 13th so really close yeah Um, and not only has uh, Gecko, which is Goongarra, um, been campaigning, you've also been collaborating with other environmental groups like Friends of the Earth. Um, also, you know, there are many other um, in organisations that have been supporting um, the work that you guys are doing, like the Victorian National Parks Association, the Wilderness Society. Um, so it is a very coordinated uh, group of organisations. And um, some polling has been conducted by ReachTel uh, in late October, and the sample size was uh, roughly 1,500 people um, across three electorates. And uh, the sample size is normally over a 1,000 is a good sample size um, in terms of predicting uh, what someone's views may be, what the broader population's views are. And um, it would be great to talk a bit about what people think, because that is, I guess, pretty important in terms of votes and how uh, parties position themselves and what they will eventually stand for or should stand for. Um, So, Ed... You particularly surveyed some inner city seats, a couple in particular, Paran and Richmond. And what kind of things did you find um, in terms of people's awareness of this issue 
like for a start, I guess, and I know you've been um, discovering this with door knocking as well, um, but then also uh, what their position is. Sure. Yeah. So there was, as you can imagine, overwhelming support um, for the protection of native forests and wildlife from logging. People are just shocked when they when they hear about it. If they don't know it's happening, uh, as soon as they find out, uh, they think it's ridiculous. And uh, and of course, support proposals um, to protect forests from logging. Um, so some of the results, like in Richmond, for example, eighty one percent of people surveyed. Um, uh, said that they think forests should be protected for for wildlife uh, and recreation. Um, and politically, very interestingly for that seat, 61% of people surveyed in Richmond said that they were more likely to vote for a candidate that supports uh, the protection of native forests from logging, um, which is pretty interesting because currently it's a it's a race between the greens and labor in that seat the liberals are not fielding a candidate and labor have are still yet to come out with any forest policy at all currently they have a logging policy mm. um not a conservation or nature protection policy um so there's a you know there's a, sends a very strong message to the local member there richard Wynne, that um you know, you really need a policy on this if you're going to secure votes. Um, Paran was very similar results. Um, in, in fact, only 4% of people in Paran thought native forests should be logged. So, um, you know, very, very few people. Um, and again, very similar results. 60% of, of voters in that electorate were more likely to vote for a candidate that supports uh, forest protection. Um and we also polled Bentley, which is a Labor Liberal marginal seat um, out in, in in what they call the swinging sandbelt areas um, d- down down on the bay. And the results there were very, very similar to the inner city. And what it shows is that this is not just an issue that people in the inner city are concerned about. And uh, people everywhere, particularly Labor voters um, and, and Liberal voters and Vote, people with all sorts of voting intentions support the the protection of native forests from logging, and you know in Bentley it was it was basically the same, very similar results. Eighty one percent of people um, th- thought that forests should be places where uh, nature and wildlife uh, are protected. Mm-hmm. Um, so very similar results. It's not just an issue, um, you know, in the inner city suburban mums and dads want action on this issue uh, as well. Um, so. Yeah, the results show that there's just massive support and if the government are to act, then people are going to love it. Um, but unfortunately, we're 10 days out from an election and they have no policy uh, other than uh, a logging policy, um, which is clearly not in uh, the interests of, uh, of the people of Victoria who overwhelmingly support uh, the protection of these forests. Mm. I was also interested to see that 0.3% of Labor voters think forests should be used for logging. So that mm. particularly Labor voters, yeah. there is a massively low, low, low level of support for native forest logging and uh, wood yeah. chips. Absolutely. And it shows that if Labor are to actually do something, um, their people, aren't, they're not going to abandon them on this yeah. issue. Um, they've really got nothing to lose, lose. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, they have no policy. Um, and 
really the the Greens are the only party that is actually speaking out uh, about this issue mm. um, and that, that have released a policy, um, quite a detailed one. Um, but, you know, it's not too late. There's 10 days left of the campaign. Um, and if it's Labor, a long time in politics. Yeah, it is in an election campaign. Yeah. Um, but our, what our work in the in these electorates has shown is that our uh, movement on this issue is going to very much help um, whoever wins uh, these these seats um, because there is so much support for it, um, and we've been getting out there and talking to people about it. Uh, we've we've had literally thousands of conversations, and uh, we've distributed about one hundred and twenty thousand leaflets across. Uh, electorates across key marginal seats uh, with information about where the parties stand on these issues um, and and information about what's going on in our forests and how we can protect them. Um, So we've reached a lot of people um, and, yeah, we've we've created quite a bit of pressure. Um, uh, But... Yes, still no nothing, still no policy from from Labor uh, on this issue, just despite uh, the overwhelming support for them to move on it, and despite the uh, the fact that uh, without a policy, some of these key uh, marginal seats may may be lost. Mm. And by having an election policy, it's actually really important because should they be elected to government they then have a mandate to deliver on the policy of which they've put forward. So, you know, it's one of those areas where it's, it's vital to have a, a position on the environment um, beyond logging uh, in order to get your work done. I mean, people can change their position, but it certainly helps to have said in the election, we promised this and mm. here we are delivering. Uh, it's just kind of one of the 101s of government. Absolutely. And they've had four years to come up with something. Um, in fact, the f- previous Environment Minister, Lisa Neville, she's now the Minister for Police and Water. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. Um, uh, she was the Environment Minister at the, uh, the beginning of this term of the Andrews Labor government. And went on the record saying that a new national park to protect forests from logging would happen in this term. Well, there's 10 days left of the term. Yeah. Uh, they haven't delivered and on And we're in caretaker government mode. We're in mode. caretaker government. And uh, so in terms of, you know, implementing promises that they gave last time, that hasn't happened. And they've had four years to, to deal with this issue. Mm. Um, yeah, so if, if they are to make any promises in the last 10 days of the campaign... Um, we'll, we'll be watching very closely and holding them accountable to actually implementing them, uh, uh, whatever whatever the shape of the parliament is um, after November. Mm. You know, this is um, raising a really important point, which is that at the last by-election that we had for Victoria, the Greens took a seat from Labor, um, you know, and, and this is really a sign that there are inner city marginal seats that are very much in play in terms of whether it goes uh, Labor or Green at this election. And it certainly could mean that if, um, you know, the Greens, for example, got more seats and um, Labor didn't expand their uh, seat numbers or or actually lost some, um, that there would perhaps be a minority government situation. I mean, this is something which I'm sure 
um, given our, the, my understanding of uh, the relationship between the Greens and Labor, wouldn't be desirable for a Labor government in terms of their own preference to rule in their own right. You would think that on an issue like this where the Greens are out there on their own, standing strong, it is a typical Greens issue, which is the environment, that they would um, you know, see that as being a very important area to, I guess, close that wedge and, and stop it from being a really massive point of difference. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. But if uh, – and the Greens are saying that they're all of the – elements of their election platform um, will be on the table if they are in a situation where they're negotiating with Labor to form government in the event of a hung parliament or a minority government and protecting native forests from logging is one of those key planks within their election platform. Um, so, yeah, it is a it is a possibility um, that, that that will happen. Um, uh, but, yeah, really, Labor... Labor should just get on with it, and um, just because it's the right thing to do, and they, I think, I think they know it, and eventually, mm-hmm. I think we'll, you know, hopefully get some change, um, some change in this space, and some some leadership that's just so far failed to um, to come about. Yeah, um, it. The other thing is, although it is the right thing to do, it also makes money. Um, particularly tourism and th- mm. the industries that it creates and the jobs it creates, which is something of which, you know, is important to any government, is their uh, economic standing. So, you know, if we want to um, see another benefit in that, it's also that people can then engage more with nature when national parks are created. Mm. Um, and, and as I've said on this show with others, who other scientists who found that even when you create national parks and protected areas, they don't necessarily end up being fully protected um there's still forms of activity going on in these areas that do endanger the environment so um you know it should be kind of a bare minimum Mm. yeah that's right and uh it's protection of these forests particularly on melbourne's doorstep uh the forests within the proposed great forest national park yes the yarra ranges um hillsville warburton uh, Marysville areas um, will make this city so much more livable and and set it up you know to have creating creating a nature gateway on our doorstep. Uh, the Andrews government came out a week ago with a an announcement to create a whole bunch of new urban parks, um, but nothing about protecting nature. Uh, the, you know the creation of a lot of these urban parks uh, and little green corridors in the urban areas is great Mm. fantastic but again it's incomplete without protection of of nature and actually protecting these wonderful environmental assets that are on our doorstep so the next logical step for them is to um protect our native forests uh on the on the edge of melbourne and um and yeah create that nature gateway just just right on our uh on our doorstep Mm. Now, Ed, um, as I said, I'm speaking with Ed Hill, campaigner at uh, the Goongarra Environment Centre. Ed, I want to just quickly raise with you something that's just been announced and come up. Um, The Forest Stewardship Council uh, is an international not-for-profit and um, many people may have seen their logo on things like packets of 
uh, paper so that um, and it's not on the reflex paper because it doesn't meet the FSC certification requirements but there has been um, news overnight about the FSC and uh, I guess a compromise solution which has been touted as being a positive thing for the environment and has involved a range of stakeholders to kind of come together in fact, as we were talking off air, it's not necessarily as fantastic as it's been touted and as the media have reported. What is the development essentially and, and what makes it either positive or negative? Sure. So there's been a national standard developed for the Forest Stewardship Council uh, in Australia. Um, Forest Stewardship Council is widely regarded as sort of the sustainable benchmark of forestry certification and... Um, uh, Vic Forest has, has tried to achieve uh, the Forest Stewardship Council uh, green tick uh, three times now and dismally failed every single time. The standard uh, prevents logging in high conservation value areas, so prevents logging of old growth forests, of rainforests, of uh, habitat for endangered species. Um, and that's why Vic Forest has... has you know, has failed so many times to achieve uh, this certification. The news overnight is that a new standard for the Australian context has been developed and that's been agreed upon by some environment groups and, uh, and industry groups. Um, but basically, uh, there's no way that Vic Forests will ever achieve um, or meet the requirements of that standard whilst they are still clear fell logging, whilst they're logging old growth, whilst they're logging rainforest, whilst they're logging uh, habitat for endangered wildlife, uh, they simply won't be able to meet that standard. So uh, if the government is serious about uh, improving Vic Forest's um, practices and... Um, uh, and uh, achieving the Forest Stewardship Council certificate, which will provide access to desperately needed access to, to markets that mm. are demanding sustainably sourced products. If the government's serious about that, then they need to act decisively to protect uh, high environmental value forests from logging. And they can, the only way they can do that is by formally protecting them in parks and reserves. Um, so this new standard that basically industries all agreed that we, we need to improve our practices, we need access to these markets, we need the FSC green tick. The only way they're going to get it if there is, if, is if there's major industry reform and formal protection of high environmental value areas uh, in new national parks. Mm. Um, so hopefully this will lead to that, but the danger is that it will... Uh, furtherly entrench native forest logging if any native forest logging operations are in fact given the green tick. Um, there's always there's there's uh, it's it's quite controversial and there's some examples where FSC has been awarded to some very shocking logging operations. So it's not it's it's no silver bullet, but mm. it's certainly a, a a step towards improving the practices. Yeah, yeah. Now, Ed, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask, given that we've talked about parties and their policies, do the, does the Liberal Party have an environment policy yet? No, they don't. Um, uh, it's actually very hard to find any of the Liberals' policies if you go to their, if you go to their <laughs> I website. I did check that out. Like, uh, I went there and there's nothing there. No. Um, so, no, the Liberals actually have, a, have come out saying that they've, they've ruled out uh, any new national parks to protect forests from logging. They're very much um, 
very much opposed. Uh, the Nationals, who they would form a coalition with, they've actually been campaigning to log our existing national parks. Yes. Um, so, the, But the Liberals have said that on the record that they'll come out with an environment policy before the election. Um, but really in this space, Labor are not much better. Uh, uh, they still have no policy whatsoever uh, to protect native forests from logging. They currently have a logging policy. Mm. Um uh, and, yeah, the Greens are really the only party that has, uh, out of the three major parties, that has come out with a detailed policy and plan for, for how to get it done and how to protect forests. Mm. Um, so there's a website that people can can visit um, to get more information on this issue and more detail on the party's policies and, and where they stand. Uh, it's just voteforests.org.au. Uh, um, this is a website that's been developed by Friends of the Earth and a bunch of other environment groups. Um, yeah, and there's lots of information there and you can go there and um, learn about the issue and make an informed uh, choice about how you can use your vote to protect forests from logging. And you can also... There's, there's, a, there's an action that you can take on that website where you can send your local MP uh, an email asking them to... telling them that protection of native forests is important to you. Mm. Yeah, and people underestimate the power of contacting a local member, but when it happens, and particularly in bigger volumes, and if someone puts the effort into wording their own letter in some way, um, it actually has a big impact. So it's a, it is, although it sounds like a really kind of old school method it's probably the most effect the most impactful method you could have apart from exercising your vote yeah that's right it can't and it, and it can't hurt um the more con- the more contacts that mps get over issues they they do they do take notice they do listen mm. uh and if they're getting nothing at all then they've really got nothing to to work with to to make the change so yeah engaging with your mp um is really important and can be really effective mm. and because the, uh, there are many parties trying to take the balance of power in the upper house, which will also be important on this issue, has anyone else come forward with a policy like the Reason Party, for example? Uh, the Reason Party are supportive of Fiona Patton's been a, a strong advocate for um, forest protection, um, but yeah, no minor parties do ha- have formal positions um, on it as yet. Reason are pretty good on it. Um, uh, yeah, so, but really the only way that it's going to happen is if those who have the numbers in the House uh, to to actually protect these forests um, can actually come up with a policy. Um, and, you know, so that's either going to happen through one of the major parties coming out with it or uh, if the Greens hold the balance of power. Um, mm. Ed, it's been fantastic speaking with you in person, which is uh, great to see you and your face instead of talking down a phone line. And I really appreciate how much time you've taken to explain this issue and um, hopefully better inform all of us as to what's happening and, um, I guess, help us to make a decision about what matters to us and, you know, whether this is an issue for us to be voting on. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Amy. That was Ed Hill, campaigner at the Goongarra Environment Centre. And as he said, you can head to the Vote Forests website at voteforests.org.au. You can also check out um, the Gecko Facebook page. They uh, post up quite a lot of information about this issue there. 
This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.